and we're live. And uh, by heavy request, welcome to the show, Corey Hughes, author of A Warning from History, which we have just read. Yes. It's another, another episode of Literary Hobos. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> it, would it be literary? I mean, it's non firmly within the nonfiction genre. But it is within the JFK literature. True. Hmm. Good point. Uh, yeah. Good point. A brand new book. Yes. Um, and I would actually say, and this is this, and please take this in a complimentary fashion. But I would say it's an intermediate JFK assassination book. Definitely not an intro to JFK no. assassination. Books. Not at all. I assume people understand the basics. Like yeah. those who where like you you should know about Clay Shaw, David Ferry, New Orleans, and the basics of New Orleans. Yes, you know. So um, yeah, well, I, kind, of, kind of. I tell everybody they should watch the JFK film, yeah. even though it's like a, a, a straight a up Israeli hangout. propaganda film. Yeah, yeah. and um, <laughs> they need to watch um, Arnon Milchin, the, by the way. Right, right. The men who killed Kennedy, like the eight part or nine part series, because right. even though that's got some bullshit in it, too. Yeah. Um, it gives people a general understanding of like the official story, the official conspiracy theory, some of the straight up nonsense right. or surrounding it, some of the propaganda. Like, so if you watch the JFK film and the men who killed Kennedy, you'll have a good grasp of like everything about like what they right. want to present to us. Yeah. But like the obviously the true story is not even remotely close to right, what right, right. tells us. No, even I, the JFK research community, like, I swear to God, I'm like, can I curse? You can say whatever you want, yeah. Right. You so, can like, use I, racial epithets, whatever you like. <laughs> I fucking hate JFK researchers with a passion. They're literally the dumbest people that have ever Some been. Some of They're them, up there yeah. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, like, these guys have been, they haven't solved shit in 60 years, and they continue to, like, put on conferences celebrating their fucking lack of finding anything out. It's just <laughs> yeah. un- fucking believable like right now they just finished a conference down in dallas or like three right. conferences oh, or some well, shit we're recording know? on the eve of the 60th anniversary of the event in question yeah right. Um, right. that's right I, you know, I, total random booking i know but yeah. we've had well, months to prepare it's, uh, it's the 22nd in australia right true that right and we <laughs> actually have a lot isn't real yeah good point it's a good point <laughs> If you can get on the other side of the ice wall, um, maybe. <laughs> but um, all yeah, these so, made up animals like emus and wombats and stuff. Yeah, drop bears and yeah. yeah um, but uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, so I've been cooking my brain with JFK for oh. the last uh, th- month or so, or give or take. I read your book or listened to your book. Um, and uh, I uh, and then I read uh, Michael Collins Piper Final Judgment, mm-hmm. and then I reread your book. So, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so Michael Collins Piper is he's the he's the goat, but yes. he, he got a lot wrong. Yeah, he, I noted um, this. Yes, uh, yeah. I found I found a lot of your takes more compelling. He sort of br- stepped over a lot of things that you dove head yeah. in on. Uh, right. which I appreciated. And um, also, yeah, I, I, I think that I, again, I, I, not just to defend him a little bit. I think it was because he had a pretty big, 
being when his book came out and, uh, you know, in the fact that it was very uh, con- contrarian to what the yeah. oeuvre of, as you mentioned, the bullshit faggot JFK researcher <laughs> um, <laughs> community. Um, <laughs> hey, that's what he says on the T-shirt, bro. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like uh, the the whole 9-11 bullshit thing it's it, that's partly what it's there it, it's, yes the alex jones the and, and company yeah it's part right, of right. cover up yeah right yeah uh, yes like there's got it there's a cointel pro aspect to yes the or information PatCon, that's if you been will. disseminated it's it's unfucking believable but like i watch it, it's crazy because like people like james the eugenio are hailed as like the kings of the fucking kennedy research he gets booked for all these interviews makes millions of dollars puts out all these books motherfuckers never solve anything ever right yeah like what is wrong with people like i don't understand <laughs> uh it just it doesn't make any sense and he took money directly from arnon milchan a confessed Mossad yep. spy who smuggled nuclear triggers out of our country like if you took money from a Mossad spy like go fuck yourself like you should end up in a jail cell not making money off of our president's fucking death right yeah yeah, and also the other thing is like the 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 JFK assassination, like it gets the reputation for being like the final boss of all conspiracies, and for good reason in some ways, because it's very very large. The entire thing, there's a lot of moving parts, um, and but here's the, but the, I would say that it stands to reason to say that it is that because. W- you need like a working knowledge of every single basic aspect of like the entire um, subterfugal organized crime slash intelligence deep state, if you will, um, kind of uh, what their activities are to really fully appreciate the scope of all of the reasoning and um, uh, sort of moving parts of the JFK assassination. Uh, between, you know, the Meyer Lansky, um, the Meyer Lansky uh, basically, you know, secretly, despite the way that the, uh, you know, Zionist media portrays it, the mob is basically Meyer Lansky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was one thing that, that Michael Collins Piper really contrasts with you, that, that he's really hung up on the difference between the, he thinks the mafia is real uh, and that, like, you know, like, He's really hung up on the difference between the Mayalansky organization and the Mafia, but and the, well, you see, you've it's got all like, the same um, thing, really, isn't it? Well, yes, and really, it's been that way since the 1930s, 1931, right? right? So, yeah. like the in 1931, Mayalansky took over the mob by taking out the only two Sicilian bosses left. Yeah, um, you know, the Sicilians ran. When people think Italians ran the mob, what they really mean is Sicilians. Right? That's what they're really right. thinking, not Italians yeah. in general, right? Because Mayalansky and Lucky Luciano and all these guys, they were Italians too. But yeah. they were Jews. Yeah. And so uh, Jews controlled the mob uh, once Meyer Lansky took out the competition. You know, like all oh, the guys who took out Joe Masseria and whatnot. Um, I mean, you're looking at like Albert Anastasia, Lepke, Buckalter, right? Like, so these guys are all Jews, yeah. right? And then you go out to LA, you got Mickey Cohen, Bugsy yep. Siegel, more Jews, right? Like they're all Jews. It's Jews around the mob, period. I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Now yeah. you have like, they're the ones who got to have a say in which heads of the five families took over in New York, right? And so, like, yeah. they always put their own people in place, made sure the right people got taken out so that the right other people would get put in place so they'd be, you know, sympathetic or right. or willing to take continue to take orders from the Jewish sect. Also, they provided the indispensable, um, uh, you know, activity of being able to launder the money to Switzerland. 
as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Permindex oh, yeah. and stuff. With the Swiss Jews, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tibor Rosenbaum and Erwin Heyman. And um, kind of an ironic name, the bank, I mean, yeah, and the Bank de Credit International, and like I don't go into any of this stuff in my yeah. book. Like this is all I got this all outlined. My next book is already outlined. I got like fifteen chapters outlined for my next nice. book, and it covers all. Looking this forward stuff. to it. It's all the Jewish aspect of it, and it just keeps getting bigger. I keep thinking of things to add to it, so my chapter list keeps getting bigger. Like it's gonna end up being massive. But yeah, there's so much goddamn evidence that the Jews killed the mob, and I don't even say the Israelis because it isn't just the Israelis. It is the Israelis primarily. However, um, they utilize their other Jewish contacts around the world, particularly through the Bank Credit International, which connects us to the Jewish agency in Switzerland. Yeah, and yeah. Tibor Rosenbaum and these guys, right? I mean, what uh, what clergyman doesn't own a Swiss bank. <laughs> <laughs> but the Swiss Jews are, are seemingly in the background of everything. Like, yeah. Well, it's, it's a fact that uh, the Swiss Jews were the backers of William the Conqueror um, yeah. because the uh, previous king of England had banned usury in the kingdom of England. And the Swiss Jews backed William the Conqueror and took over and made the state of England as we know it today. God yeah. damn it. These Kazarian bastards like fuck right <laughs> off. <laughs> Seriously. So, but uh, yeah, like, so um, ultimately, you know, what, what killed Kennedy was a, it was a multinational uh, conglomerate right. of Jewish interests all based around Demona and Israel because Kennedy was going to make sure that they were toast. All the you way know, up to David like, Ben-Gurion. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, and so he, for some reason, Ben-Gurion stepped down, okay? Some people say that Kennedy intimidated him, and so he stepped down. I don't think it's anything like that. When Ben-Gurion stepped down, I think because the plan had already been in the works, right? So you have the Battle of Letters, which is in, like, really April and May of 1963, where right. Kennedy's demanding access to Demona, and Ben-Gurion is like, go pound sand. And, yeah. like, Kennedy can't believe it. Like, he's like... Who the fuck are these little fucking Jews telling us that we can't even get? Yeah. Like they went so far as to like build fake rooms and stuff like that. So yeah. inspectors, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like it's just unfucking believable the gall of these goddamn. All um, vindicated, by the way. These <laughs> vindicated, by the way, in um, in the late '80s by um, uh, Mordecai Vanunu, By the way, Mordecai Vanunu, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was kidnapped. Where was he kidnapped from? Was he in South Italy America? Or was he in I thought. No, he was in Europe somewhere. That's why it was a big deal because you can't just go in and kidnap people off a of fucking sovereign <laughs> right. land, and that's exactly what they did. Was they don't have any goddamn respect for anybody except right. themselves. Yep. Speaking of South America, uh, fucking um, Eichmann, Eich Operation Eichmann, in was in Brazil, I believe, and yeah, they just violated um, uh, a Brazilian sovereignty to just kidnap <laughs> this guy in the, out of the middle of the night. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous what happened. Uh, it's really a shame what happened to the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I was more speaking in regards to Brazilian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, please don't say fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, so, okay, we got to talk about your the stuff that you cover in your book, which I, I, I mean... As far as I am concerned, is new, fresh takes and new, fresh evidence to be right. digested by the general public. And it should, by the way, because this well, is vital information. A lot of the stuff is not new. And that's part of my angst towards or, the JFK researchers is because the shit's been in front of their face for right. years and they just. It's been organized and new, though. 
Yes. Uh, so basically, um, there's so much information out there that has just never come to light. Like, and primarily, I would say the most important thing of all is that David Ferry was in Dallas, right? So right. Yeah. Uh, until Kennedy researchers put David Ferry in Dallas, nothing is ever going to make sense at all, right? And so, because uh, you have a lot of incidents, like you have the incident with um, Perry Russo, where he's at the party in late September of 1963, and uh, he sees um, Clay Shaw and David Ferry and right. all these guys, a bunch of Cubans. And he allegedly sees Oswald, but it's not Oswald. It's Kerry Thornley. He's got right. a big old bushy beard and all this stuff. Right. So um, but that story he tells, um, he gives pretty explicit detail on what was discussed at that party and how they discussed killing Kennedy and using triangulation of fire and all this stuff right but like everything he says for the most part gets kind of like chuckled at and thrown out because it's kind of ridiculous that he would be at a party where all this stuff is being discussed especially right. with oswald right because uh nobody understands oswald but that's a whole nother story yeah so i, 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 I uh, want to get to that the lee Har the harvey sure. and lee stuff uh, but yeah. when you get when you finally put david ferry in dallas and you realize that he was one of two shooters on the grassy knoll then all of the stuff that Perry Russo becomes of paramount importance. And then you realize everything surrounding David Ferry in New Orleans is of paramount importance. And so you right. have to really dig into the characters who he surrounded himself with. And then you can generate this like cast of characters. I'll keep referring to the cast of characters because there is a limited cast of characters. Right. Yeah, so you have sure. these core groups of people. Uh, in New Orleans, it was, you know, Guy Bannister, Clay right. Shaw, David Ferry, uh, Carrie Archer. Thornley. And uh, Arcacha, yeah. And yeah. then you have like um, you have a, a bunch of guys who kind of like are a second layer around those like Gordon Novell and like Louis Rebel and um, uh, Dante Marancino. And like there's like a whole there's like these layers to people who are who go from not involved to involved. I kind of look at it like a topographic map. You know what I mean? Right. With the right. little circles all over it. And so once you come to realize who's who in New Orleans, um, it's pretty easy to put them in Dallas. Right. Uh, yeah. Based on numerous factors, not only just descriptions, but like here's a good example. So when it comes to like uh, putting people, putting rifles in people's hands. Right. So what you'll find is that one of the two men who was impersonating Oswald was William Seymour. And William Seymour is seen all over the place from 19, early 1961 all the way through the assassination. Mm -hmm. But he's identified as Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. And he's always seen accompanied by this large husky Latino people think is a Cuban or a South American, but he's a large, dark complected Mexican. And he's got like bumps on his face. He has moles all over his face. Right. right? And his name's Lauren. His name is Lawrence Howard, right? Lawrence so Howard, right, once, yeah. once you're going through all the documents and you start to get, you know, dozens and dozens of these sightings of Lee Harvey Oswald, where he's accompanied by this Mexican guy with bumps on his face, right? Once you realize that it's Lawrence Howard, it becomes obvious that all those sightings of Oswald were actually William Seymour, right? <laughs> and so when you get to the book depository on November 22nd, 1963, uh, you have numerous witness statements who looked up to the book depository fifth and sixth floors, and they saw a dark-complected Mexican, right. sometimes described as a Cuban, sometimes described as a Negro, um, who was it? Arnold Roland, I believe, uh, gave the best description of him, said that his face appeared as though it was, he was dark complected, but his face appeared as though it was marked in some way. Yeah. Okay. So it, the whole book I find I'm this very about funny this too, because this guy is like, definitely, I looked up a picture of him too, by the way, he is ex incredibly distinctive looking. It's insane yeah. that they would pick someone so distinctive looking to be yeah. accompanying a fake like doppelganger of another right. guy like yeah yeah right. the, the thing is like that 
you can see with uh, him and Thornley that they were making themselves conspicuous, though, and having like yes. a, a, that kind of a guy, right? With you. So Thornley was over the top with it. Thornley yeah. would like talk about communism, and like when he went to talk to Miss McGee in uh, Baton Rouge about her room for rent, and he like basically gave the whole story to her. He's like, "Yep, I'm from. I, I went to the Soviet Union. I got a Russian wife. I like guns." Uh, yeah. And Kennedy's coming down south, right? And she's like, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like they planted seeds everywhere, right? So because after the assassination. They had hundreds of calls from people who interacted with Oswald, right? And right. so all of those interactions get or reported. Either David Seymour or to Carrie Thornley. Yeah. We right, have right, to talk yeah. about who Carrie Thornley is. So Carrie Thornley is, by the way, definitely after this, these events took place, he was definitely involved in some kind of MK Ultra, like human, um, you know, potential movement shit. Um, after that, that's worth looking into in another date. But uh, he was in, so he was a almost definitely a contract, uh, a contract agent for the CIA. He um, was in, uh, he was in uh, Oswald's uh, unit in uh, boot camp, I believe, in the Marines. Um, and this is the thing, and and I, I have to compliment your to writing. It's very programmed well. to kill. Yes, it is. Yeah. But um, I have to, Corey. I have to compliment you on you on this exact line from your book when you said, "I always cringe when I think about the fact that uh, that Carrie Thornley started work on his book." Uh, what is the title of his book again? Um, uh, the Idol Warriors. The Idol Warriors. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, before about which is a book about Lee Harvey Oswald. I'm looking at you, the the listener, right now. Yeah. It's a book about Lee Harvey Oswald that he wrote before Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly <laughs> killed JFK. <laughs> <laughs> and I I agree. When I found that out, I too internally cringed. At that fact that he that they had the balls, the chutzpah, if you will, <laughs> to do hey, cool. such a fucking ballsy thing to do. So when the thing about Carrie Thornley is like when you go, if you go back to the original document and you read his affidavit to Jim Garrison, which he didn't write until like 70s, like 15 years after the assassination. Right. And he he's a, it's a confession. The whole thing is a yeah. confession. He basically connects himself to all these people who are all CIA. Yep. E. Howard um, Hunt. Yeah. E. Howard Hunt, which I don't buy that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, uh, the E. Howard Hunt connection is definitely there, but not from that angle. It comes in somewhere else. Right. So, but uh, yeah, so he's talking about how uh, I mentioned this in the book. There's one part where he's like, yeah, we need to frame a communist for it. Right. So he's like giving Garrison all these little nuggets basically telling him yeah i was in on this because like yeah he puts himself in the middle of david ferry guy bannister clay shaw all these people in new orleans right all the uh, the, the mafia the cubans marcello all these people but he didn't know anything about the assassination it just yeah. happened around me right yeah. like give me a break he is like to me the best evidence of uh of yeah i hate saying conspiracy but he's the best evidence that there was this big you know plot monster sized plot yeah yeah and the other thing is like after after all this event carrie thornley lived to like the late 90s and he basically was like the like right-wing version of william s burroughs 
like he's he such like a moron. Like I want to <laughs> just like every time I see the guy talk, I just want to punch him in the face. Yeah, he also like, remarkably is remarkably similar looking to Lee Harvey Oswald, or like what we all picture as Lee Harvey Oswald. And indeed, well, as you allege in the book, the reason why we probably have this um, impression as to him as as to them looking alike is because one of the most iconic images of Lee Harvey Oswald is him on television on WDSU um, supposedly saying I'm a Marxist Leninist and <laughs> um, and giving out flyers for the uh, f- fair play for Cuba committee um, yeah. which is a CIA yeah. cutout <laughs> yeah and always was yeah. you know like yeah. normal people don't go around starting these organizations they just don't like no. even if you're overly politically motivated you're not just going out starting these free cube organizations like people who do this stuff are all and all these NGOs. These are all government spooks, you know, people. They're all spooks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the only organization that what is the only one where they couldn't catch anybody was Ted Kaczynski because he did it on his own. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uncle Ted. I love yeah. Uncle Ted. God, I miss him. It is. Still, the he, reason they even caught him was because his brother ratted him out. I know, right? Stab him right in the back. <laughs> they never yeah, they would have caught him otherwise. They made right, Well, the bombings would have continued. They might have gotten him eventually because, yeah. you know, you make a mistake. You got to nowadays. Uncle like, Ted never would have made a mistake. What are you talking trace about? trace of dude? DNA. Like, I mean, they would have gotten him somehow, you know. Maybe. Yeah. But, like, the, it doesn't stop. The fact that they just looked into catching him after, like, 13 years of trying <laughs> doesn't stop them from producing a netflix tv serial about know, how right. cool they were but how yeah. clever they were for getting it. how clever like, they yeah, were well, for being re- this... we're ready to hear a rat yeah, yeah. when this <laughs> asshole loves phoned up, we answered the phone <laughs> <laughs> someone was there when the phone rang <laughs> when this guy's bitch wife made him rat his brother out <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, there's so many more things I want to talk about. So, Kerry Thornley, I want to get back to him. Um, so, Kerry Thornley, I, oh, this is something I want to ask you. Was Kerry Thornley fucking Lee Harvey Oswald's wife? Possibly. They definitely <laughs> had a, something. They had something there because they were setting Lee Harvey Oswald up. And yeah. then Marina made some really weird, like, cryptic statements about being married to two men and weird stuff like that uh, later on in life. So people think people think she was speaking euphemistically about right. Lee Harvey Oswald, but I don't think so. Um, because Carrie Thornley had to have been in. He was in on the setup before Oswald even got back from the USSR. So from the USSR. Yeah. So yeah, Carrie I, I, Thornley I, is back in New Orleans by February of 61, which I think is honestly a little sooner because I think it was him and Lawrence Howard at the Bolton Ford dealer. Um <laughs> So he's in there setting Lee Harvey Oswald up, giving Lee Harvey Oswald's name in January of 61. It's almost it's almost three years before the assassination. You know what I mean? So, and the guy's in the but, Soviet Union. Right. But what, what I think was see what I think was going on there was I think the additional setup of Lee Harvey Oswald was not because the, the plot to kill Kennedy, I don't think, got underway until early 63, like. January, February, around that time. Right. But they were setting Oswald up long before that. Yeah, um, so so I think just to was, have him up their sleeve. Right. Yeah. I think they were doing that to get a spy into Cuba. I think they were going to repurpose him when he came back because uh, at the same time Oswald came back, he came back the first week of June 1962. 
That's the yeah. same week that the project AE Balcony came to an end, right? So there was a project going on with CIA called AE Balcony where they were taking naturalized American citizens who spoke fluent Russian and sending them over to Latvia, Estonia, and Eastern Bloc USSR, right, right, you know, right. countries. And um, the program came to an end in June 62. And that's exactly when Oswald came back. Oswald was there from what, like mid late, mid to late 59. And that was about when the Redskin program was going on and the AE Balcony program, which came into being, I believe, it was talking about it in 59, didn't come into fruition until 1960. He's still in the Soviet Union then, but then Redskin got reorganized with AE Balcony somehow, but then the entire program shut down in June of 62. And then Oswald comes home. So um, the thing to point out here is that the program utilized, quote, naturalized American citizens, right? So right. meaning people who were not born in America, people who were from another country who spoke fluent Russian, who were naturalized, who were then sent back, right? So that kind of gives a little bit of credence to John Armstrong's Right, that was theory. the next thing I was gonna ask about, yes. The Harvey and so Lee hypothesis. Right. He's kind of he's really good at digging up some dots, but he's kind of an idiot when it comes to like connecting them. So right. doesn't he think the um, whole thing I, was like the commies? Well, he thinks the whole thing was he thinks the entire setup involving the, you know, the whole two, the whole dual Oswald thing, he believes was this Harvey Oswald. Right. Well, Lee Oswald was getting set up or it's it sounds so stupid. I cringe when I even when it even comes out of my mouth. But like. <laughs> We know that his documents were accurate and that stuff was true because going back to 47 through 54, you got a series of duplicate school records for Oswald yeah. with conflicting information in different places, right. different schools. And, two, and like, two separate identities, two people that really existed. Right, right. And they both had a mother named Marguerite Oswald. And when you look at the pictures, like it's clearly two different women who are Marguerite Oswald. Clearly, right. like not even <laughs> remotely close. One has a mole under her eye and wears glasses. The other one didn't. One was super ugly. The other one was fairly attractive, you know? So it was like yeah. definitely some you kind would. of program. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely some kind of program involving Oswald going back to the time in 47. What would he have been like eight fucking years old? Because he yeah. was born in what, 39? So he'd have been eight years old, right? So yeah. that is a program. How does one get involved in, in that? Well, obviously he has his obviously his parents were involved right. with the CIA to this very date. Um, all of Marguerite and Robert Oswald's tax returns are still classified. Can't get them. Never. That's we'll never fucked. get them. Well, they were CIA. I mean, yeah. obviously they were CIA. And then that brings us to Oswald's father, who Robert Lee Oswald, allegedly. But when you look at the pictures they present to us of Robert Lee Oswald, it really looks like a guy named Jay Walton Moore, who was a FBI agent in Dallas, who introduced Oswald to George DeMornshield and all them. Hmm. So um, it's really weird. I believe that his father is fake. Uh, I don't believe that, that there is a Robert Lee Oswald. I believe there's more to it. Um, yeah. There's more to the story than his than his dad died in, before he was born. Like Because... His mother was an idiot, right? When you look at it, when you look at his real mother, <laughs> yeah, she was just a normal mom, right? She was like a normal nobody. She was not a spy. She was not overly educated. She right. She did that stupid well. um, debate and got completely fucking trounced, right? Well, that's the later. That's 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 that. We'll call her that Marguerite Oswald number two. Okay, <laughs> so but the original Marguerite okay, Oswald. Okay. Um, when you look at pictures of her going all the way through the early nineteen sixties, um. They suddenly come to an end around 1962. And then all of a sudden, all of the pictures are of this other woman. That's clearly fucked. another woman. Yeah. So um, so I don't believe that the it couldn't have been the original Marguerite Oswald's 
CIA connection to get into this. She was married to a guy named Ekdal, who was like accused of being a communist spy, which is really weird. Uh, but her marriages are kind of weird uh, after Robert Lee Oswald allegedly died. Uh, but I believe there had to have been some sort of, I don't know, father figure, male influence, right. somebody connected some to Marguerite. Spook. Uh, some spook some handler, spook. perhaps. Yeah. Right. But but this would have been back in Oswald was born in 39. So it had to have been somebody that came in later, you know, right? maybe in like the early 40s, formed a relationship with Marguerite. And then they decided to use the child. And then because the first appearance of this other Oswald is in 47. Right. Uh, with You can tell with the duplicate school records and stuff. But. But here's the problem. So um, uh, Har he concluded that like all these other Oswald sightings and all the other duplicate Oswalds was this other Oswald. When that's completely bullshit, right? So because that, from what I can tell, that other Oswald scenario was the purpose of it was to get a spy into the Soviet Union using a duplicate. So my, my idea for this was kind of like they get a spy, they, they, you know, you, you raise this duplicate who speaks fluent Russian, right? You get him into the Soviet Union under the name Lee Harvey Oswald. And then in a perfect world, he could then disappear into the Soviet Union because he speaks fluent Russian. And then when the Russians are like, hey, where's Lee Harvey Oswald? They're like, what do you mean? We got him right here at home. You know what I right. mean? And then you have okay. the, yeah, yeah. And so then you got the then you have the duplicate who's in the wind in the Soviet Union doing God knows what. Right. right. So I think that was that kind of fits my idea of what they were doing with the whole notion of why they would have a duplicate Oswald from the time he was a child in the first place, right? Um, but that what whole a fucked plot up. Can I just say this is that's fucked. That is fucking dark that you're like just yeah. forcing an eight year old boy into a yeah, life but, of being a fucking murderer. Probably most likely, you know, we, we, we've speculated that over the years here and there about what what was intended for those kids in the finders cult. Yes. And, you know, it's. That's probably the same kind of thing. You, well, you're yeah, onto something. Yeah. It could be, couldn't it? yeah. 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 They could. Yeah. Who knows? That could, the, the finders could have been something like a remnant of like that kind of child mill that yeah. furnishes, furnishes poor souls to be fucking thrown to the wolves as America's fucking lone wolf, uh, you know, her president Stay killer. Terrorists. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is fucking dark, man. But I'll tell you so, what. But then this, you have to think all this stuff had to come to an end prior to the time that they start setting him up, right? So if Oswald goes, if the Russian speaking Oswald goes off to the Soviet Union, then that is not the real Oswald, right? That couldn't have been because the the real Oswald just didn't, he didn't speak Russian, right? He was just yeah, an American, just like dumb shit, right? Just a guy. And so what do you do with the real Lee Harvey Oswald when the other Lee Oswald becomes the you know front and center of attention, right? So this is where things get weird. This is where I have no idea what the fuck happened. This is where you get some interesting things like um, May Brussels in the 60s or 70s. She had been getting some large donations. You know, May Brussels was like the, the primo Kennedy researcher back in the day. Mm -hmm. And so she's getting a bunch of big donations from uh, anonymous sources. And then she's, uh, I guess the word would be, I don't know, approached, confronted by this guy um at night by her car and she's like wow you look a whole lot like uh like lee harvey oswald and so his name was the name that guy ended up using was donald p norton and donald p norton ends up with getting involved with garrison's investigation and all this stuff and so there's some yeah there's some i mean something had to have happened to the original oswald right something had to happen to him period but 
by the time he gets off to the Soviet Union, we're done with him. And I don't know where the fuck he went, what he did. Uh, but the Oswald who went to the Soviet Union, speaks fluent Russian, comes back to the United States, brings Marina back. Uh, but they had already been setting up, remember, since January of 61. He comes in in June of 62. So you're looking at yeah. roughly a, six, a 16 to 18 month period where they're setting him up as this like leaving, you know, this trail of uh, him saying he's a communist and all this stuff right. going on. Right. Kooky shit. Uh, but yeah. then he. But then he comes back and then they get him involved in all kinds of stuff, you know, in New Orleans. They start setting him up with the Fair Play for Cuba committee via Kerry Thornley because, you know, Kerry Thornley had the flyers printed for um, Fair Play for Cuba. Right. So all the incidents involving Fair Play for Cuba, really like Oswald had nothing to do with them at all. Yeah, like yeah. that was just being done. And he was you know, told, go hand this out. And then when he's and, and like I go over the series of events that gets him on television. Right. So William Gaudet. Yeah. Um, who was definitely a CIA employee, big shot handler down there in New Orleans at the time. Yeah. He, he knows he's admitted, shot. right? He's, yeah, yeah. He, he admits some things, admits some things, yeah. right? So they always admit some things. They'll never tell you the whole truth. True. They would be shitty spooks otherwise. Shitty spooks, right? Shitty spooks. Yeah. Like, you better be lying to me, right? So yeah. <laughs> that's why when I read, like, Carrie Thornley's affidavit where he, like, is just confessing all this stuff via, via inference, it's like, what are you doing, bro? Like, yeah. You want you want people to know you rub yeah, well, I, th I think that it has to be it right like it has to be on some level they just love the idea of you picking it up and being wild you're so clever well, the, <laughs> this is a, an aspect of it that that sort of struck me while I'm reading this for the last several weeks <laughs> various books on this topic is it's really just it's a massive mask drop you know that yeah. they're Maybe not to the normies, but to the the people that if they you take time to look, it's, it's made me think of that thing where uh, Chuck Schumer says, "You know, well, they've got seven ways from Sunday to." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, this is so like anybody that's true. in a position like that knows knows it's more an hour wavelength about what's happened here, and that's why they are how they are. Yeah, and that reminds me of like um, like David Ferry. Uh, so after the assassination, he continued to like work with the CIA and he continued to make flights down to Cuba and flights right. down to South America. But like his roommates would say that he's like always broke. Right. Yeah. So he was being manipulated and forced into doing these things. Right. right. So or he was really cheap and they like, thought he was broke because he would just be like, ah, <laughs> broke. he was busy buying boy pussy. <laughs> he spent all the money on boy pussy <laughs> and eyebrow paint. Yeah, eyebrow. Yeah, when you when you um when you go through the the ferry documents, he admits to Raymond Brochiers that they had video of him banging these underage black girls. Right. So, Oof. Uh, yeah, that was what they had on him. Um, I'm sure this, but, yeah, so, if, that if he's saying that's what he they have, they must have had something much worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. that's very yeah, a hundred percent. Like some six-year-old white kid. Yes, the white boy. Yeah, yeah. Especially knowing but Alec yeah. Alexander Landry, right? He was like the young boy that he was like in love with, and he was like right. to the point where he's going like, "I was on the Bay of Pigs thing," you know? Like, it's yeah. like what, <laughs> dude? You're like such a you're so gay for a fucking seventeen-year-old that you're like you're like I'm just gonna tell you I'm a spy, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, the whole situation with David Ferry was it's really interesting because he's obviously he gets involved with the CIA back in 47. Right. Um and he's working with Clay was Shaw he in the OSS? back then. No, that's a thing. Like um during World War II, 
there's no record of him having done anything, but the associations that he had and the fact that he was hooked up with Clay Shaw by 47 yeah. tells me there had to have been some kind of activity, something there. Um, after the war, I forget the actual years, I believe in the 50s, they had him, uh, his record, when you pull his record, it shows that he had four years of uh, Army Reserves, right? But that's bullshit. That's Army Reserves. Yeah. Reserves is okay. Reserves is what they say you got to do like a weekend, two weekends a month, or two weeks a year, or whatever their bullshit is. Like, yeah. you know, that's yeah. how spies get out of their normal routine. Oh, I got to do my my reserve stuff, right? Yeah. And then they go and do spy stuff, right? So that's right. how to break that pattern. So anytime I see anybody associated with like military reserves, you know, like Tulsi Gabbard, like you're fucking CIA, like shut the fuck up. Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> true. <laughs> it's, Another thing, sort of back, going back a little bit, I guess, but I'm sure it'll come up again. Is I, I was sort of pondering, I wonder exactly how they got to, oh, I guess it wouldn't be too hard, but how, I wonder how, how exactly they got to Marina to turn her. Did they plant oh, well, her in the Soviet Union in the first place? Well, here's the deal. She gets, Oswald goes to the Soviet Union. They're not stupid. They know he was a spy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, obviously. <laughs> and so, like, they 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 completely control him. They give him a job in Men's Square. Actually, he, would start, he starts off from the bat making, like, more than the plant manager was making at his radio factory. Right. <laughs> so, if, if he even worked there at all. Like, so there's something going on between the CIA and the Russians at this point. I don't understand the relationship. It's weird, but yeah, well, the Cold War had a lot of fake elements to it. Yeah, that fell out of fake elements too. A yeah. lot of yeah. it's totally dialectical in basis. It's not actual. It wasn't like a real operational. The, the Soviet Union met all its debt obligations to the banks. Correct. <laughs> never, never defaulted on its debts. So that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so they, they're both working for the same. Yeah, it's not the the governments don't control. The governments are the levers of power. They don't hold the levers of power. Right, right. So he gets in. He gets to Russia, and like, they're like, oh yeah, because here's the thing. He tried to marry some other chick first, like before Marina. There was another girl that he had tried to marry, yeah. and she was like, no thanks. And so he ended up getting with Marina within like two to three weeks, and then they were married like almost right away. Right. So she's a spy was, too. She's a spy too. Right. So so they send her back, and the FBI or whoever gets their hooks in her like on day one. They're yeah. like, okay, we know you're a spy. Not anymore. Right. Now you're going to participate in this setup or we're going to send you back and we're going to make up a bunch of shit and you're going to end up in the gulag. I like to yes. imagine she's like a dumb bitch. Like, um, uh, what's her name in uh, in The Sopranos? Like um, like uh, Christopher's girlfriend is Adriana. And like they, <laughs> <laughs> and they like uh, they like trick her really easily just by being friends with her. <laughs> yeah. She came here and she pretended she didn't speak English. Bullshit. She was fucking fluent in English. Like, yeah. yeah, she forged like Oswald's signature on a bunch of shit and wrote like Hunter of Fascists on the back of the on the back of the photo with Oswald and the rifle. Right. So like right, all that right. stuff is faked. It was Kerry Thornley with the backyard photos. They definitely pasted his face over the damn thing, you know. So, mm. yeah, the, the setup. Uh, and see, Kerry Thornley stuff definitely coincides with that. Right. Like Kerry Thornley being the one who was the one posing for the backyard photographs because it was him setting him up the whole time. Right. Yeah. And then in, in like I discussed in the book, he, he even throws his handlers under the bus. He talks about Bud Simcoe and Lieutenant Ballantyne and uh, these other people who like we can't prove exist at all. You know, but he, he's saying that they're his handlers like that fucking guy. Like, God, I he also the probably fucked Ayn Rand, right? <laughs> 
Oh, I don't know about that. Well, if I mean, he hung she's... out with, here's my understanding. If you hung out with Ayn Rand and you were a young man, you could fuck Ayn Rand. Oh, like, she was a hoe? Yeah, well, yeah, she had a gay husband and, like, would just fuck whatever, like, college student who found fucking uh, Atlas Shrugged. She, fu- she fucked Alan Greenspan. She did like, fuck Alan Greenspan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she fucked Alan Greenspan. Looking. She probably fucked Walter Block, I'm going to imagine, as well. <laughs> That objectivism, just the name objectivism, is it's objectively disgusting. Yeah, she because it's because she's an objectively ugly woman, so she knew yeah. she's like, this is my ideology. <laughs> yes, well, uh, messing in my box is better than not messing at all. <laughs> objectively, yeah. objectively, yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. Anyway, but yes, that's another fucking whole thing. It's just like, dude, like this guy is too large while being a, a diminutive physically feet guy, Carrie Thornley. He is also a larger than life character because, wow, what balls on this fucking dude? Um, like the book again, the book, the fact that he he's also one of those guys where if you meet him and you drink with him for the night, he's like, you got to read my book. Yeah. And by the way, it's a book about well, Lee Harvey Oswald before he killed Kennedy. So the thing that's so ridiculous is that he pulls people into his story, right? And so he gets connected to Guy Bannister through his girlfriend. So he's dating this girl uh, or hanging out with this girl named Jessica Luck. And Jessica Luck allegedly introduces him to her professor, whose name is Martin McAuliffe. Martin McAuliffe, definitely CIA spook recruiter, mm-hmm. works at LSU, um, and he allegedly introduces Carrie Thornley to Guy Bannister specifically because he liked his book about Oswald, which <laughs> is like, it's like, am I being punked? I'm yeah. reading this and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like... He's getting introduced to Guy Bannister and like Clay Shaw and like all these fucking people because he wrote a book about Oswald like three years before the assassination. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. As this was going he made through my the mind connect the between two op op, you know, two cabals, if you will, uh, of the of the op, basically. Well, the the hilarious thing is like in his affidavit, he continues on after the assassination and talks about how. Right after the assassination, he went up and stayed with some people up in Virginia. And then he's like, oh, I know Garrison's going to think I'm the CIA because I went to Virginia. Well, duh. Of course you went to Virginia because you're CIA. <laughs> yeah. And then he ends up going out to Los Angeles and he just so happens to get a job as like the doorman at the building that Johnny Roselli lives in. And then Johnny <laughs> Roselli allegedly invites him up and they start hanging out and talking about the Kennedy assassination and speculating about who could have possibly done it. Like all this shit that he says to Garrison, I'm just like. This is just yeah. fucking believable. And then he goes on like current affair or whatever it is in like the 80s. And right. he's like, I was part of a plot to kill Kennedy, but Oswald beat me to it. I was like, what? <laughs> you are the most foolish shit person that's ever been in the yeah. history of mankind. Yeah. 
And yeah, again, also he was like the right wing William S. Barrow. So he, like he basically like hung out in like the punk scene of of Baltimore, as I understand it. Is that is that a, is that where he's from? And no, um, he's from New Orleans, but he's he moved around a lot. I think at the end of his life, he was basically bouncing around Baltimore, yeah. and he was like hanging out in like the punk scene, and he would just be like that old guy who would come and drink all the beer and be like, yeah, that uh, like he, have everyone expect sort of. Like like William S. Burroughs did at the end of his life in in uh, like mi- Minneapolis or something. Or See, Kansas. he fucked up because like um, he had a real opportunity towards the end of his life to like really spill the beans. And so but he started but he kept pushing this ridiculous story about him and like Gary Kirsten, brother in law and like Slim Brooks. And like he just started like pushing these nonsensical stories about all the, about those guys when he should have just spilled the beans. Like he had right. the full on inside knowledge. Like he knew he knew the deal. He shot J.D. Tippett. He knew everything. You know what I mean? Right. So like he could have come clean. He didn't. He wanted the attention and he wanted people to think he was involved, but without giving up the guns. But I, I, don't you think he, even if he had to come clean, like you've got plenty of compelling evidence. He could he could have like firsthand accounts that were compelling. And put him out there, but nobody had ever heard hear of him. He'd probably get suicided. Uh, it's like it doesn't matter. It's like this whole Israel Palestine thing now, that the, the bot, all the fake shit comes out on the news, and none of the real shit does. Yeah, and that's just it doesn't. Yeah, why isn't I mean, the news talking about the cum squad? <laughs> What's the cum the squad? semen the semen ret- uh, like re- re- retrieval squad? You, this is a real thing. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Because like the Jews what? are so obsessed with getting their like their Jewish the seed, yeah. that their bloodlines. Yeah, so that they, they literally send like a squad of dedicated IDF troops who go out and use a cattle prod to stimulate the prostate prostate of deceased IDF soldiers to get them You're to lying. shoot. I swear to God, this is a real thing. I swear to God, white fucking Jews talking about bloodlines makes me just want to go jump. Up <laughs> <and> jump <up>. <laughs> <laughs> Unfucking believable, you goddamn imposters! Like the fucking Israelites were black as fuck, okay? So like these white Jews just drive me up a fucking wall. Hell yeah, like, dude. <laughs> okay, the, okay. The descendants of converts have kind. no claim to any of the land in Israel. Okay, none of the land, no, no land of brown people belongs agree, to the agree with that. European yeah, converts. for sure. White Jews are European converts. End of fucking story. That should be the end of the conversation. Yeah. Right, but then they'd have to go back and explain how they got the state in the first place, and then they got to. That, yeah, that that's a fucking, whole other fucking woo. wooden door to burn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's anyway. not look through that window. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so let's get back to more pertinent. Are you making Holocaust jokes? Yes. <laughs> um, but what's it called? Uh, right? What's it called? Um, you know, okay, a couple other people I want to talk about slash things I want to talk about. So yeah, we did the uh, Harvey and Lee thing. Oh, um, oh, oh! I wanted to talk about. Please explain to me how you independently came up with the evidence to to prove that David Ferry did not go to the ice rink. Okay, so, uh, well, the best evidence that we didn't go to the ice rink is that Frank J. Chalona, who's the roommate of Thomas Compton, who were both students at the Louisiana State University in Hammond, Louisiana, okay? So they're at the dorm in Hammond, Louisiana. Uh, Thomas Compton is a former Civil Air Patrol guy with David Ferry, kept in touch with David Ferry because I guess that's what you do when your molester fucks you. Like, you yes. just stay in touch with him forever. Right. Yeah. So Back then it was uh, just called being gay. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still so, is. But, well, yeah, um, true. <laughs> so basically, um, the entire Witterland thing was an alibi. It was an alibi story that was actually done just to provide an alibi for right. David Ferry because David Ferry was in Dallas and he left Dallas and he went to Hammond, Louisiana, and he spent the whole weekend in Hammond, Louisiana. And the proof for this um, is primarily from Frank J. Chalona, who was Thomas Compton's roommate, who basically says that he gets to the uh, to dorm on Saturday afternoon. That's when uh, Ferry's supposed to be at the Winterland. And uh, he's like, yeah, this weirdo is sleeping in my roommate's bed. And he was fully clothed and he yeah. still had his hat on and his jacket on. And my roommate told me that his name was Dave and that he was a psychologist and that he had something wrong with his head. And so he pasted his hair onto his hat. Where that his is hat David Ferry. David Ferry, 100%, right? Just only yeah. David Ferry. <laughs> and so, yeah, he wasn't at the Winterland because he was in fucking Hammond, Louisiana. And why was but, he in Hammond? Also, because he was hiding out the whole time. That whole hat snafu makes him easy to impersonate as well because like anyone can wear a hat with hair glued to it and yeah right well here's the thing and then yeah scott and william are gonna go that's david ferry yeah yeah (laughs) when you get into the person who actually went to the winterland it was actually sergio arcacha and he went there with leighton martins who used the alias of melvin coffee and alvin bobo right so uh so they get to the winterland and they're supposed to meet with like roland chuck roland roland chuck roland isn't his name his real name is rulon chuck roland he's a french canadian half korean and so, but uh, th- when you look at the descriptions that um, that Chuck Rowland gave of Sergio Arcacha, or David Ferry, uh, it's clearly Sergio Arcacha. Like he's six foot tall, you know, stocky build. Yeah. And he was wearing a red toupee. David Ferry didn't have a red toupee, right? So like, the, and, and the, the real kicker for me was the same person is seen at the golf station in Port Arthur um, on the 24th, the at, around the time that Jack Ruby shoots Oswald. And he's seen wearing a cowboy hat. And so the only person in this cast of characters that wears a cowboy hat is Sergio Arcacha. Right. And there's a well-known photo of him wearing a cowboy hat. So, right, so it's little dots. It's little pieces like yeah. this. Yeah. Little puzzle pieces. The only pieces photo that, I've yeah. seen of him, he's wearing that cowboy hat. Right, right. <laughs> so that is the most popular one. So, yeah, to me, it was obvious it was Sergio Arcacha. And also then you have the relationship with him and Leighton Martins, right? So they knew each other for at least two years, going back to all the Friends of Democratic Cuba stuff and the Fronte Revolutionary Democratico and all the Jeeps and all the trucks and all the, and the break-in at the Homa bunker, right? So you have a solid relationship between them, right? So it's not like you have to worry about him stepping into a situation where he doesn't know these people and they're going to rat on anything, right? So And David Ferry been fucking both of these guys. I, I call them kids, but they were like... One one was 18 one was 19 right but he'd been right. fucking him for years yeah so but yeah um alvin bobuf just died this year like really disappointing i found out he was alive last year and uh no one ever talked to him he never confessed he never admitted anything Damn. uh william seymour is still alive in houston he's 86 years old and i don't have the balls to talk to him I, it's not my thing i don't go reaching out to fucking weirdos so yeah um if i knew somebody who would go reach out to him that'd be great but um yep he's still alive he knows everything, everything that happened in the book depository, because he was working there as Oswald. Oswald never stepped foot in a goddamn building. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. There's no evidence Oswald ever stepped foot in that building, right? And you have like all these, you have uh, six weeks worth of time cards with perfect attendance when I can say that there was at least a dozen incidents of Oswald being elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, the real, well, the real air quotes. Well, who the fuck? Not, yeah. Probably oh, not even the real one. Yeah. One of them, right? So there's really just three Oswalds. Ultimately, you have Oswald and you have Carrie Thornley's Oswald and William Seymour's Oswald, right? right. So. That's how I kind of approach this. You got three Oswalds at least. Right. And then you have like then you have like other ones like Larry Crawford uh, used the name Lee Oswald at the Texas Employment Commission. 
when he met with Laura Cottrell trying to get a job. But the idiot like tells her about his life story and he tells him about his life story, Larry Crawford's life story, having been associated with the Teamsters and having been like working as a carny and, you know, traveling and all that stuff. Like he gives this as his backstory, but then he gives the name Lee Harvey Oswald. So like why they were trying to set him up, especially at the, the Texas Employment Commission, I really don't know. That was a very important date, October 4th, because October 4th, Oswald is also being seen in Alice, Texas, right? So Carrie Thornley is the one who went to Mexico City, not Oswald. So Carrie I was Thornley just about to, to bring up the Mexico City thing. So the, then, our, your proof on that is that is that Oswald, not they would not William Seymour and not Carrie Thornley. Oswald was making out a change of address um, uh, f- form and also was right. registering a PO box form back in Lu- in Louisiana. Correct, right. So Correct. there's no so, way yeah. he could have been on a bus going to um, going to Mexico City. However, Kerry Thornley uh, just happens to have anecdotes from being in Mexico from that exact time frame. <laughs> Is right, that correct? Right. So, yeah. So Kerry Thornley goes to Mexico City. And so here's the thing. People are like, well, what's your proof that Kerry Thornley went to Mexico City? And it's like people don't understand proof. Right. They don't understand evidence. They don't understand how evidence works. And they don't understand that some evidence is dependent upon other evidence. Right. So sometimes like like, like when I put David Ferry up on the grassy knoll and then the tippet shooting, it's like you have to look at a long series of events. And at each one of these series of events paints a picture and the totality of the picture painted is the evidence. You know what I mean? So it's the same sure. thing with Mexico City. So he goes to Mexico City, and how do I know it's him? Because Oswald is checked in at the YMCA on October 3rd, and he stayed at the Payne's house on October 4th. And uh, But on these dates, you have somebody with a woman who's pregnant with a child traveling from all the way from Brownsville at the border, all the way up through Alice, Texas, on their way back to Dallas, right? So right. that's when I realized that it was Carrie Thornley, and it because Oswald was checked in at the YMCA, and his wife most certainly was with Carrie Thornley at this time. And so then I set out on a mission to find evidence that Carrie Thornley had a relationship with Marina of some form. When I say relationship, I mean just they knew each other, worked together as, a, as spies or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I found it, right? So then um, uh, a letter was sent to Jim Garrison where the uh, this guy, the owner of uh, Wegman's restaurant uh, or, or grocery store had yeah. an employee, Miss uh, Myrtle Lasavi, I believe her name was. And she actually had seen all of them together over at the Oswald place and that she had seen Thornley around Marina so often that she wasn't sure which one was married to her. And right. so that was what I was looking for. Didn't she also like, say she saw the three of them together as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah as like a trio. Together. Right. And she also saw um, Thornley with Marina going up to the local like uh, grocery store. There was a Winn-Dixie up there, I guess. So, but yeah, so once I found that I was like, duh, of course it was, uh, it was uh, Marina with, Carrie Thornley setting up Oswald that coincides with the, you know, her forging his signature on the selective service card and signing the back of the, uh, you know, the hunter of fascists, you know, photograph like so then it all started to fall in place that she was in on the setup from the jump and that all the times that I saw Oswald, whereas he was driving a car and he was seen with a woman and child, right. every single one of them automatically became Carrie, Carrie Thornley, Thornley because- drives and Lee Harvey Oswald does not drive. Correct. <laughs> right. And then you get into some other weird incidents like the uh, um like uh Oswald oh, about a month before the assassination allegedly goes with the Lincoln Continental dealer and he talks to him about buying a car and he goes out and takes it on a test drive and goes out and does like, you know, 80 miles an hour up the highway. And then uh, when he gets back, he tells the guy, I'll be back in a month. I'm coming into a large sum of money. Right. Like that was William Seymour. And now I link to William Seymour just by his demeanor, his behavior. 
uh, because he was a little more arrogant and cocky, um, you know, but he wasn't so much of a dick as Carrie Thornley was. Mm-hmm. Carrie Thornley, like, and Carrie Thornley was like rough. He, you know, didn't shave very often. He yeah. smelled bad. The goddamn guy was a hippie, right? So after a while, you can kind of like read through a scenario of Oswald and be like, okay, I, I know who this was because of the demeanor or the guy smelled like shit or whatever he was, you know, how he treated yeah. people. Because Oswald that we know as Oswald was a nice guy in general. He, you know, so when you have like Marina saying that he drank and beat her and stuff, total bullshit, like total nonsense. Never happened, was never his personality. The guy was clean shaven every day. He got a haircut like twice a week. Like the dude was probably gay. You know what I mean? But (laughs) Well, spies um, often are. Yeah, they recruit these guys because they're easy to manipulate and blackmail if they have to. Um, Another thing I wanted to ask you. these days, can you? (laughs) I think you can because they're all pedophiles. They're gonna be like, "Hey, I got a picture of you kissing a girl. Yeah. We're gonna, gonna out you. We're gonna out you as straight." Yeah. <laughs> um, I would the other skate. So, um, so Oswald, 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 um, or one of the Oswalds, he, or Oswald, Oswald. He was placed at the movie theater when he was arrested finally, and he allegedly met with a pregnant woman inside the theater. What do you think right. that meeting was about? Do you agree with Michael Collins Piper that he had been roped into a potential fake assassination no, slash no, assassination no, no. Uh, no. of uh, Governor Total Walker nonsense. or whatever? No, he, Governor- didn't fucking, he, he, no, he didn't know nothing like zip. And it was the, the Walker shooting was done by uh, William Seymour and Lawrence Howard. Right. Uh, setting. And at the time, I don't even know that it was meant to set up Oswald because they didn't even use the Carcano. When you dig into the bullet, the bullet they extracted ended up being. Um, unable to be linked to the Carcano. So, right. And those guys, they had in their possession a bunch of Mausers uh, and the Johnson. So, like, who the hell knows? Like, it was really sloppy, and the and the Dallas police were in on everything. So they just kind of covered up evidence and and all that stuff. Like, you know, the two or three shells that were found underneath the window. I can't find evidence of a third shell. But, right? but, but it was three do shots. you have any surmise whatsoever as to what he was meeting the pregnant woman in the theater for? Uh, so a pregnant woman was seen that week at Ruth Payne's house, unidentified. She's the third pregnant woman in the story. Um, I don't know who she is. Obviously, she's a handler. Um, I believe that Oswald was in Fort Worth at the Payne residence all morning until he took a cab to the theater where he gets there between one o'clock and one o six. And then he enters the theater. Um, pays for a ticket, you know, notably. Pays for the ticket, right? Goes in, he sits by Jack Davis, you know, and then he gets up, moves around two or three times and he ends up sitting next to the pregnant lady. So we obviously didn't know her. Um, and so, but obviously she told him you need to sit here and watch the rest of the movie because yeah. that's what he does. And he sat there. He also went he to go to get popcorn, there. right? At right. that he point. Out, right. They leave. Uh, they go back to the lobby after he talks to her and she leaves and then he goes and buys popcorn. Um, and so then he sits there at one fifteen PM all the way till they come in at like one forty five or something like that. So over that, a half that's an hour, what he's did just it for me popcorn. That that that's what did it for me to debunk the Michael Collins Piper. He was in on us another fake assassination kind of thing. Because if he was, there's no fucking way you can tell me that he was like, Cool, I'll just grab some popcorn. <laughs> like there's yeah, just so no Michael fucking Collins way. Piper, Michael Collins Piper was the first person to point out the name of Sam Bloom and the Jewish interests in Dallas. That is what he that that was his gift to us. And once you yeah. understand that, you can take you can take it and run with it. He never really put together the pieces on who was on the knoll. No, uh, he never he never put together a lot of pieces. Yeah, well, um, I think his book's really more of a big picture thing, where it's like it leaves you wondering a, a lot about the nitty gritty, which is. Your book really fills like your book is the nitty gritty. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I tried to do. I tried to yeah. fill in like specifically like what did people see at the book depository? Like, yes. Um, and so when I went through every statement, like 
I put all in those three chapters, you know, seven, eight, and nine covering like the escape and all that stuff. Like, uh, I put a lot of attention to detail. That was the best in, part like, for me every second. It. Yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable because, like, when you actually look into all the witness statements, it's pretty obvious that there were people in the book depository who were on the sixth floor who fired shots and that they fled out the back. It was Seymour Richard Randolph Carr and numerous other people, Velma and whatnot. Yeah. Right. And the, I mean, all it's all there. It's yeah, all there. It's also and, just like and, fucking insane that they expect you to swallow the idea. Cause we all know, I mean, if you look at any of the accounts of these people who are in the book depository, obviously they cut the fucking power to the elevators, at least if not right. the whole building, yeah, how do right. you explain <laughs> that Lee Harvey Oswald did that and was able to turn it all back on again? and leave and all this other fucking shit it's just absolutely he'd have to be not just a magic bullet he'd have to be a magic being to yeah. do all these things it's also it's really frustrating that you know velma saw the assassins escaping out of the back of the book depository but uh scooby and shaggy were looking the other way at the time. <laughs> scooby and shaggy were blasted out of their minds on 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 reefer man yeah <laughs> <laughs> Roro, the residence red just ropped off. <laughs> oh man. Um, but the book depository is I think is very key. It's very central because obviously it's a CIA front. Like the CIA doesn't trust any Joe Schmo to print published textbooks because that's where the indoctrination starts. It's and, so yeah. true. I mean, literally Epstein or fucking uh, Max fucking um uh Ghislaine Maxwell was the fucking was the person who did it when when I was going to high school. When I was in high school. That was who the books I was reading was the fucking Maxwell family. Again, yeah. besides. Right, right. So, um, but you have like all these publishers, Macmillan Company, you have Scott Forsman, you got Southwest Publishing. These are all CIA front companies oh, yeah. or CIA, uh, or they're CIA contractors, I should say. But yeah. all those CIA contractors have former CIA employees running them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, so, it's Mockingbird. Right, right. And so you get into, um, you get into the the leadership of the book depository. You got like O.V. Campbell, who was the vice president. Uh, then you have like Roy Truly under him. And then under him, you have William Shelley. Those are the top three guys in the building. They're all former OSS. All of them worked in CIA publishing when they came back from the war. Um, and then like even uh, William Shelley, who was Oswald's alleged immediate boss, went to go work for Scott Forsman Company after he left the book depository a couple years after they, uh, the assassination when they closed. So, yeah, you have this revolving door of CIA and CIA subcontractors because you don't leave the agency ever. No, like period. So I had a, I had an uncle who well, it was an uncle by marriage. He married my aunt and he was like 20 years older than her. His name was Paul Gale. And he was a founding member of the OSS and the CIA. No, and shit. he died. Yeah, I didn't really get to know him. I mean, I, he died when I was six. But I remember meeting the guy. There's almost nothing about him online. I can't find a damn thing about him, like a paragraph here, a paragraph there. But I know that he was the head of the um, CIA station in Iran during the time of the Shah. No well, shit. So, That's yeah. a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, he did some nasty shit, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubts. But um, I know for sure that um, Oswald... And the the book depository, like that whole thing was like a stage scripted event. Yeah. You know, that was like the whole thing was like a, the Truman the black show. guy's chicken dinner or chicken lunch is interrupted yeah, right. and shit like and it just has to invoke everything that you will go ah, figures. 
Well, the day of the assassination. Yeah. The day of the assassination. Um, when you go back and you look at all the footage, see, that's like one of the best things to do is look at the footage of the day of, right? Because they don't know what to censor and what not to, so it all kind of comes out one way, shape, or form. Like nine eleven is some really good stuff that came out that day, you know. But Kennedy came all kinds of good stuff. O- they Oklahoma made, City Kennedy, bombing. Oklahoma yeah. City. Yep. They talk about the, uh, the the other bombs in the building yep. and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, same thing with Kennedy. They talk about the Mauser that was found on the sixth floor. Yep. Um, they talk about all kinds of stuff, right? And so, but they, they the first narrative they pushed was that the shots came from the fifth floor and that the chicken bones were because the shooter had been set up there for a while waiting for Kennedy, right? And so that was the initial stuff they pushed. But it, it's really hilarious to go back and you know, like look at that. Like, well, okay, what are we going to do with these chicken bone? This chicken bone, like, narrative artifact. Well, who eats yeah, chicken? The, okay. The, the, the third shell casing was, in, in reality, a uh, watermelon pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the book depository, I thought, was very central to everything because, sure. I mean, I mean, I would think, I mean, that is, I mean, that that is supposedly a- where it happened, all went down. Right, right. But, you know, you had a shot from the Daltex. You had, you know, yeah. shots from the Pergola area. You had the Knoll shooter. I mean, but um, people, I mean, we tend to, like, the circles we move in, I mean, I, I may be a, a little bit too cynical and, and watchful about this, but. I would say it's fair to say that in in our circles, a lot of us get like fooled into thinking that because we only talk to people like us, that yeah, people are waking up, man, and and, right, and all right. that. And I don't. I mean, I some people I respect say say that, but I don't think it's true. I think people will just believe whatever whatever the man on the TV tells them, and that's. That's that. So, Funny oh. anecdote it's on those lines. Just today, I, um, I've i mentioned to you before, William, that on Tuesdays, like usually my dad will come say hi to me because he's in the building that I work in yeah. on Tuesdays. And this morning he came in and he goes, hey, what's up? And I go, I'm like 1,300 pages into JFK right now, JFK assassination <laughs> right now. And he goes, oh, really? Who did it? And I said, well... You know, Mossad, the CIA, and to a lesser extent, the mafia. Uh, and because I'm not going to go the whole fucking, I'm not going to pill my dad right yeah. now in five <laughs> minutes. Um, so, and he just goes, ah, who gives a shit anyway? And I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I, 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 I. <laughs> I mean, there's something to that, though, because, like, you know, what, I don't know, what, how does it, this translate into us knowing about it how does it translate into i mean don't get me wrong well, i did I explain to him and he people shouldn't he, know about he, it, he, he like, clammed up at this next thing i said yeah. which is i go he goes, what does it matter anyway and i go i don't know i mean you know one of the people who killed the president is trying to get us to get into a war right now and send all our poor <laughs> poor young men into the fucking meat grinder for them so yeah i think it's a little bit pertinent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but well, and he's he, just because it shows like the level of um, what well, we swallow, how far our government will do, yeah, yeah, how far our government will go. I, I, I think, it, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it's like it's the government. I, the real lesson of the JFK assassination to to me is that you know, it it makes Kennedy look like a better guy than he really was for one. Time. Yeah, but he 100%. did have some. He did have some sort of quaint idea that that the 
president was supposed to be in charge of the executive branch. Yeah, um, Nixon too and, had the same quaint idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nixon, Nixon. Oh, they. Well, they. There was the Watergate was a coup against Nixon. Yes, like, straight up, hundred like, percent, straight up by them. Of course, it's always same, them. same fucking yeah. entities. Yeah. But so. He had that quaint idea, and look what happened to him. And it also happens. Is you look at the people go, oh, these these uh, DAs who don't prosecute you, knew Watson, are basically enforcing anarcho tyranny. Blah, blah blah. Well, why are they all like that? Well, yeah, I'm sure they're paid by shadowy figures and all that. But look what happens to the ones who don't. Any anybody who anybody in any public office who tries to act sort of decently in accordance with the what we are supposed to think the norms yeah, are. Yeah, heads like explode in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Jim Garrison, uh, the, the Terry Yeeke, all these guys yeah. who actually try and do their job right, if they if it turns out that what they're looking uh, into what's actually his name? matters, uh, fucking um, The CIA guy who fucking went kayaking and died. Yeah. Um, Colby. Colby, Colby, William yeah. Colby, yeah. Yeah, because he was looking into... Um, yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Franklin Scandal, for one, and a whole bunch of... He, he did I a lot of... I don't know that he was any kind of good guy, though. I mean, no, sure. No, but that, stuff, in, like, in a pool of really have... shitty guys, he was the least shitty. But well, he... the, the CIA reminds me of that movie. What was that movie? Was it Jumper? Where they, like, have to... At the end of their... They go back in time, and then at the end, they have to get killed. They have to kill themselves from the future. Looper, like, maybe? Looper, yeah, one of those. Yeah. I think it's like, that's how the CIA is. At the end of your tenure, you're gone. You're done. Like, they're going to whack <laughs> you. Like, yeah. 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 You think they killed George <laughs> W. Bush Sr.? You know, that guy was 90-something. I mean, did they have to? I well, that's mean, what, what I mean. Do, like, I think they let him they, like, go. Like, or something? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> well, they just like, like that in front of his when face. When I look back at Kennedy, like, they killed everybody. I mean, they killed Shaw. They killed Clay Shaw. They killed David Ferry. They killed uh, David Morales. Yeah, you know they let Jack Valenti live till he was goddamn ninety four, yeah, um, or something like that. Oh, that's who uh, I wanted I, to talk about too. Yeah, Jack Valenti. Oh, so okay, we got to talk about this fucking guy. This is like, honestly, uh, you, your book was the first time I really dove into this guy. But what the fuck? How is this guy not a bigger figure in history in general? I, he arranged for a gay murderer to privately photograph LBJ in his home. And then instead of that ruining his career, it actually got him a fucking promotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Jack is a wild figure, but yes, when you have so so when he left the White House, his two primary contacts were Henry Kissinger and Dick Helms. Like <laughs> He was handled. Nice by to the be top. nice to have those fucking guys in Rolodex, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were his two handlers once he left the White House and went to see he never even went to Hollywood. You'd think that he would fake it and go to Hollywood, but no, he stayed in DC yeah. and ran yeah. Hollywood. And ran like, Hollywood, yeah. Didn't even try to pretend that the fucking Washington that Washington didn't control like the CIA controls Hollywood. Yeah. Jack Valenti is the ultimate proof of that. It's interesting as well that you know. People in, I guess, like people who sh would show an interest in it in, let's say, Russia, for instance, now could see all this, and it just like it, like 
if you if you're not seeing it through a lens, if you've got any interest in it, and you're not looking at it through a lens of controlled media, or controlled by this mm-hmm. this side of the um, iron curtain, as right. was media, then you're going to see it's going to be blatantly obvious what's going on, and you can say. I mean, I've been saying for years that the it, the Soviets were right about the fact that degeneracy was going to be the end of the West. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's what. Khrushchev said about the West is happening now. <laughs> yeah. I think the degeneracy just needs to be better compartmentalized. You're not going to ever get rid of it. You just need to compartmentalize it better. You need to make it so you're going to keep it secret at least. Right, right. right. Like when I get out of here, I'm going to go smoke some crack, but I'd never tell anybody that. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Jack Valenti. Um, it's Moorish. <laughs> was he the one who took the shot from the Daltex building? No, he took the shot from the knoll. The knoll, right. Okay, yes, right. Yep. Um, but okay, so Jack Valenti was, okay, so what, his father was a mobster initially, right? Right, his dad was a big-time mobster. His history was heavily covered up. But when you dig into, like, the <laughs> the, the codes associated with um, Jack Valenti's various files in the FBI, you uncover that, like, he had been investigated for all kinds of stuff, treason, like, you know, faking citizenship. Right. Um, racketeering, uh, you know, I mean, you name it, you name it, you know, so, um, and so he became like a wunderkind kind of in, I mean, it was bullshit. It was, it was hokum. He was a, it was a no show job that he had through the mob, a mob connected oil company, if I'm not mistaken. And it was in like the most bullshit. Br- it was like he was doing promo for oil, something everyone yeah. literally uses constantly <laughs> right. that something well, does yeah, not was, need he, to be promoted well he's end up he's with humble oil for like 17 years and the weird thing is particularly when you examine his like college record and what he was doing and times that he there's documentation over times that he had to take off a of school to, and he had to miss some final exams uh allegedly because he was doing work for humble oil and their and, football and sponsoring football, football yes. games yeah yeah right and so then uh when uh eventually the fbi goes and interviews the guy, I think it was uh, Kern Tips, uh, who was handling all that stuff. He's like, yeah, I never worked with Valenti. I, I did all this stuff alone. So Jack Valenti, back when he was in college, lied about yeah. why he needed to reschedule his exams. Yeah. What was he doing? Was yeah. he working for Humble Oil? It was after the war. Was he doing stuff for the not-yet-formed CIA? Of, you know? of, well, I mean, the, the whole thing, like, I think that that's where it gets away, is that, that like, all this stuff becomes inevitable as soon as the CIA exists, really. And yeah, you know, like another thing that keeps going through my head when I'm reading about this is that what president was it that that refused? I think it. I don't know. Join gentlemen, don't read other gentlemen's mail. That quote about oh yeah, we're we're not going to spy because it's. I think it's it's going quite a few presidents ago. <laughs> I don't even point. know. I don't know this anecdote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it's by the principle of obviously not the British because the British have always been like that, but the, right. the idea that America wouldn't have a spy agency. Oh, British, you, the guy, the British, like when you look at like the political, political warfare executive back in like the fucking thirties, yeah. Jesus, the dastardly shit that they would do, the sexual propaganda, the like, yeah. The British were, man. Oh, dude, they've been doing Preston. It. Preston Delbar was the guy who was the head of all that stuff. Yeah, oh, we man. were just what talking about the fucking gunpowder plot and fucking yeah. in uh, what year was that? The fucking 15, 1600s? 15, 1500s. Yeah, 1500s. They were doing yeah. they were doing gay ops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So, See, it's weird because like um, you have like modern intelligence. Really, the Russians had the first kind of modern propaganda and intelligence kind of service. Right. But yeah. like we didn't really. And then yeah, the British had their own, but the world really didn't have like a s consistent organized system of security around these intelligence agencies till 1947. When like all of them launched at once because of Galen yeah. and all that stuff, right? So, but it's kind of wild when I look into like intelligence before this reorganization in 47, because it's not very organized. A lot of it's not very good. There's conflicting propaganda from different parts of the government, right? So there's never like a cohesive, yeah. at least in America, there's never like a cohesive yeah. propaganda. Until Cecil Rhodes, you know, that whole org sort of leached over into America. Yeah, and, and so, like, when I look at, like, World War One to me, World War One propaganda, I think, is great. Uh, I mean, you know, they were talking about Germans had gas chambers back in World War One and had, yeah. like, schematics and all that stuff. But, like, nobody ever talks about that propaganda, right? Yeah, yeah. it kind of blows. You guys ever talk about kind of gives up you guys the game. Did, you done a show on the Holocaust yet? Yes, we did. We had Ryan yeah. Dawson on to talk about <laughs> when he put out his, his like, nine-hour documentary series on it. <laughs> Yeah, Ryan's a good that. friend of mine. Um, but like the Holocaust is complete bullshit. Like I've made documentaries on that before. Um, one of these days I'm gonna write a book on it. But yeah, the Holocaust is like the biggest crock of shit that's ever been. You goddamn lucky if three to four hundred thousand Jews got killed. It's really <laughs> unbelievable. Um, what's it called? Yeah, well, what's it called? Uh, it it's just uh, it's part the founding myth of the fucking state of Israel. It's just like a bunch of prop of fucking uh, what do you call it? atrocity propaganda to justify atrocity. Yeah, yeah, it's full full. He had his babies, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the entire purpose yeah, of World War One and World War Two was about Israel. I mean, World War One and World War Two were all about Israel. Like yes. they had to destroy the Ottoman Empire to pave the way for the rise of Israel. Biblical prophecy shit. Like that's all it is. Anglo-Israelism. Like, and like, and make no mistake about it. Like Hitler was fighting a Zionist war. So you know, this is kind of how I see the world. Yeah, um, the the war against the Zionists has already happened. Okay, it was called World War Two, and we yeah. fucking lost. All right, yeah. so that's number one. The the might of the German army couldn't beat these fucking people. We're fucked. Okay, so and then you go to Kennedy when they killed Kennedy and took over America, right? And so then that's how the Zionists took over the yeah. rest of the world. So yeah. like, we want to talk about black pilled motherfucker. The Titanic got sunk in nineteen fucking forty five, right? So like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're toast. We're done. Like, there's no fighting this uh, unless it's we're gonna have. Funny you mentioned the Titanic too, because the Titanic was kind of a vital part of the entire th operation, being that the op the opposition to the Fed all went down with the fucking <laughs> the Titanic. Yeah. And then it wasn't even the Titanic, was it? It, that's a whole nother possible not, yeah. fucking yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, i'm Could i'm agnostic about that brent bent prop shaft or something wasn't it? yeah that yeah. story is very convincing like yeah. the evidence yeah. is pretty convincing on that yeah the, I, mean, I don't believe anything like the next thing you know they're gonna tell me the sky isn't blue and i'll be like i knew, yeah. I knew it <laughs> 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 but yeah what i was saying though that the the cia was kind of thrust upon what they call him? Oh, Truman. Uh, Truman. Yeah, yeah. Because was, like it was going to exist anyway, and he, I, I, what I think is that he just thought, well, these OSS guys, you know, the the banks and the and the, you know, the uh, what do you call it? Rockefellers and whatnot are going to fund it and operate it. Well, they whether did. We, whether it's part of the, with the best chance we've got of trying to control it is to bring it into the, to bring it into the government uh, that. Was a mistake. Yes. 
Yeah, because I, mean, I, I, I think what primarily because it gives a. I, I think I agree with you on that. The the biggest mistake was incorporating into the government because if they're gonna do that shit, they're gonna do that shit. That's yeah. That ship sailed. But the fact that they now have the rubber stamp of the government of the United States of America now yeah. gives libtards license to be like, I fucking love the CIA because they yeah. don't <laughs> like Trump. You know what I mean? Like that gives like libtards now like this yeah. f- like it's fake a- reason to like like the literal most evil fucking golems ever. Stage, <laughs> with late stage Operation Mockingbird where they actually have regular correspondence yeah. on they cable don't have news to who control says, yeah, the fucking journalists anymore CIA guy. Yeah. yeah they literally they just have james clapper on the fucking cnn now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, what's it called uh i was gonna say neil brennan but that other brennan guy who's not john brennan john brennan yeah <laughs> Anyway, Corey, thank you so much for coming to the show. Um, the book yeah, is called yeah. A Warning from History, and hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but I bought it for my father-in-law for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's available on Amazon and uh, and probably wherever you find else, find finer, your finer literature. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to promote? I see uh, your Zoom name is buymeacoffee.com slash book. Yeah, so my notes are available. If you're into JFK and you want my notes, you can buy my notes. It comes with a copy of the ebook, uh, yeah. which has all the built-in links. The and ebook stuff, but my rocks. Notes- By the way, the links are built in. Sorry to interrupt you, but the book, the links are built into the text. You just press with your fucking finger or mouse cursor and go straight to the source material. I love it. It's great. I mean, talk about a well-documented book. It's not only well, but conveniently documented. Yes. Yeah. So and uh, it's beautifully. Buy- it's the nicest looking, best laid out ebook I've ever seen. Uh, so. uh, bar none. Go ahead. Sorry, Corey. See, I, I found like a dozen like formatting problems with it, but nobody else will notice. I'm <laughs> sure. But um, yeah. So if you're gonna buy the ebook, go to uh, buymeacoffee.com/slash/jfkbook because uh, you can buy act. You can get access to my my uh, private chat. I have a private chat room that we do research stuff in. Nice. And uh, that's pretty cool. And what else is there? Oh yeah, you can get my notes. My notes are 650 pages. It's the totality of my research it took me five fucking years to assemble it, and it's got all the material for at least my next two books in there also. So you can buy those notes as well can- at uh, buymeacoffee.com/slash/jfkbook. And Sweet. can anyone follow you anywhere? Are you off off the grid? Off of I'm social media. off the grid. Like, um, so I do live streams on kick.com uh, slash Corey Hughes and I'm on Rockfin. But like I hide behind my Forbidden Knowledge News uh, Twitter account. So I don't Righteous. have like my personal social media. I, I just keep getting fucking banned and I'm over it. Yeah. I even set up a goddamn gaming channel fucking one. Like so that shit got banned. Wow. Like I just I'm get, I get banned everywhere I fucking go. That's yes. nobody likes me talking about the goddamn Jews. So that's what it goes they don't like to. that. They don't like no. that. Um, do you think I could sell my finders notes? <laughs> yeah, I have, I have six pages of finders notes. <laughs> um, well, we're still working. I'm still waiting, by the way, for anyone to send in a, f- a song parody for the contest. That is still the prize. Is my original yeah. uh, finders uh, also notes. There's, um, if people are interested, I've got like um, some limited edition. Like I made some fancy art prints of my cover. Nice. That you can get. Only, I only made a hundred of them. You can buy one of those. I got autographed books and stuff. So, right. yeah, Sweet. that's the yeah, that's go you gotta, support like, Corey. He's the fucking man, and I can't wait for his next book. And I can't wait to hear about that fucking ritual, which we're not even going to talk about tonight. <laughs> 
Actually, yeah. do you want to talk about that real quick? What's the deal with no. that fucking ritual? It was Jews. <laughs> no, I know, but what what is the ritual about? <laughs> it's supposed to be um, Haman, right? It's it's or it's like um, they're killing a, Haman, uh, and it's fucking uh, what's his name? Uh, it, it, Xerxes. It's a, it's a symbolic a symbolic Purim festival. Right, I thought so. So, you're, everybody needs to read the Book of Esther. We did all, just did an episode on it not too long that ago. Was That's last Bible episode that yep. we did. Yeah. That is the driving force of what's going on in the world. And so I don't know if you remember, but when Obama was in office, Netanyahu gave him a copy of the Book of Esther. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a threat. Right. That don't was a be Haman. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Haman's so. going to hame. <laughs> anyway, uh, www. Wait, oh, oh, my, my podcast, Corey Hughes Bloody History. I go into the notes, like detailed fucking, like I have 10 there parts on Carrie Thornley. So like, it's wild. I go I, deep, I'm going to have to go take a details. peek at that. Yeah. Uh, and for us, www.historyalmost.com or find us wherever you find podcasts. Uh, we're also on, uh, Odyssey is somehow still up. I don't know, but we're they got on. bought. Oh, they did. Okay, so good for the good for Odyssey. That's great. Um, also, we're on um, Blackrock. Yeah, maybe <laughs> <laughs> Schwartzstein. I think you mean to say. Um, but uh, what's it called? Uh, so yes, we're also on Bitshoot, uh, Odyssey, and Rumble, and we're also uh, most importantly www.rokfin.com, rockfin.com/slash/historyhomos, um, and you can get uh, access to all of our episodes, our normal episodes there, and if you. You're so kind. You can also subscribe to there and you get a once weekly bonus episode every Thursday. Uh, it's very funny. Um, just uh, I'm, again, I'm making an impassioned plea for you to come subscribe to the show and enjoy our um, r- ramblings each week. We round up the week with um, humorous observations and also uh, various other conspiracy things that we like to talk about. And mm-hmm. also come visit us on Telegram t.me slash history homos t.me slash history homos chat for the chat and follow us across social media at history homos pod. Um, Die with dignity. William, is there anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here? Oh, I don't, America has fallen. Alert. It's over. It's so over. <laughs> it's so over. <laughs> Later, homos. <laughs>